I'm glad you all are reading through the confession. I think that's a, a good practice to do. I was reminded of my time at Grove City. Uh, I memorized the shorter catechism, believe it or not, the whole thing. And my motives might not be as pure as you think because there was a $1,000 scholarship if you memorize the shorter catechism. So that was my motivation. But it paid off because it was valuable information uh, to be learning. But I was looking at what we were talking about uh, with, the, you know, with the idea of sin and the fallenness. And Jonathan said, that's a hard place to stop. But really, mercy comes out of our sinfulness that uh, it is God's mercy that comes because we are fallen sinners. And so today we're going to be talking about, about mercy and uh, some of the uh, things that, that Jesus talks about where mercy always comes at a cost. So that's kind of our direction for this morning. You know, uh, in January, I was uh, attending in Dallas, a dedication of our warehouse there. Uh, it's called the John Brown uh, Disaster Response Center. And John Brown was the guy who started a ministry in uh, disaster response called Sheds of Hope. And we put these sheds, make these kits, have them all wrapped up and ready to go. So when a disaster comes, uh, we send out these sheds into people's, uh, into people's uh, homes and assemble the sheds in their backyards. It gives them a place to put their valuables uh, while the house is being restored. And so it's really a, a unique and powerful ministry. So John Brown was the one who kind of got this ministry going, and he passed away about three years ago. So they dedicated this warehouse to him. Now, this is a 10,000-square-foot warehouse. has all kinds of equipment that we use in disaster response. And that is being provided by businessmen in the Dallas area who are providing it free of charge to us. And that's a tremendous cost because these men could be renting this to, uh, for commercial purposes and getting a lot of money every month. The building's free to us, but it's not free to the businessmen there's a cost to them showing mercy. Now, in God's word today, we come to understand this important principle, that mercy should always be given, generously given, extended to those in need, but we need to do that with the realization that mercy always comes at a cost. There is a cost. So turn with me, if you will, to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, we'll be reading verses 25 through 37. Now, in this passage, we see an ex exchange between Jesus and a lawyer. And the lawyer's his motivations are not pure. He's trying to test, to trap Jesus, to get him in a corner. Uh, but we see that, as Jesus always does, he turns these, uh, these encounters into opportunities uh, for sharing uh, something important for us to learn. And he does that with this lawyer through the parable, the well-known parable of the Good Samaritan. And in this passage, Jesus is challenging us this morning to consider the cost of mercy. And then beyond that, are we willing to pay the price? Are we willing to pay the price? 
of mercy. Here now the holy and inspired word of God is found in Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers, who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took him to, took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, You go and do likewise. Let us pray. O God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Lord, may we be sinners who have experienced mercy and because of that, extend mercy no matter the cost. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the first cost that we need to think about this morning is the cost of following Jesus. In verse 25, a lawyer stands up to test Jesus with this opening question, what must I do to be saved? Jesus responds with a question, as he sometimes does. Well, what is written in the law? He says in verse 26, what is written in the law? And the lawyer answers in, in verse 27 by quoting what the Jews called the Shema, which means to hear. This is the famous Shema. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and your neighbor as yourself. This is what we must do if we want to be saved, Jesus is saying to the lawyer. Now, when I was a youth pastor back in Pittsburgh, we had a camp that uh, we, a day camp that we had during the summer called Summer's Best Two Weeks. And Summer's Best Two Weeks had an interesting philosophy because at the end of the two weeks, they gave out awards. The most athletic award, the most creative. Uh, there was all kinds of different awards. The most enthusiastic camper. But the greatest award that was given, it was the highest award that would be given out was called the I Am Third Award. The I Am Third Award. This was given to the camper who best live out this passage, that they loved the Lord their God first, they loved other seconds 
second, and they put themselves third. This was the camper that showed mercy to others, that helped other campers, that didn't think of themselves, but thought of others first. So this is the cost of following Jesus. We put God and neighbor before ourselves, which is not really our, our nature as sinful human beings. Our nature is that we put ourselves first. That's sinful nature, and we all deal with it. Paul writes in Philippians, In humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. You know, the cost of following Jesus is great. And sometimes we don't talk about that. We don't talk about the sacrifice that we have to make to follow Jesus. It's not an easy path. And in the context of this, in Luke, you see, if you turn back to chapter 9, at the end of chapter 9, verse 57, this chapter leading up to our chapter, uh, there's a section called the cost of following Jesus. Uh, And in that last verse in 62, he said, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. We have to give a lot up to follow Jesus. We have to give ourselves up, give our lives up, give everything that we hold important up so that we can follow Christ. And as we do that, Jesus promises, as it says in verse 28, do this and you will live. So we need to give up ourselves so that we can live and follow Christ. So the text indicates that the lawyer wants to show off, wants to continue this question and answer. And he says, well, who is my neighbor? What does that mean? And Jesus answers, not with a question this time, but by telling a parable. In verse 30, we see the setting of this parable. It's on the road from Jerusalem to Jericho. Now, this was known in that time as the Bloody Way. This 17-mile road that descended 3,000 feet uh, was filled with caves and rock formations, and it was a place conducive for gangs and thieves to hide and attack the travelers on the road. So as we look at this, the people that were listening to Jesus, and as we think about that, we can envision this man walking down this dangerous path where he was ambushed, where the text says it left him half dead. Would anyone stop to help is the question. Well, let's consider the cost of mercy for two religious figures coming down the path. Uh, The priest and the Levite, this would be comparable to a pastor and an elder. Uh, It says that not not only did these two men, these two religious men, pass by, what does it say uh, in verse 31 and 32? It says that they went out of their way to go by on the other side. So not only did they pass by, they kind of steered clear of the area of this unpleasant sight. Now the parable doesn't specify why they didn't stop, just says that they didn't. Perhaps they didn't want to become ceremonially unclean because if they touched a dead man, 
Uh, this would keep them from fulfilling their duties at the temple. And so they passed by. Maybe they were busy. They had an appointment coming up, and they had to get there. And so they didn't have time to stop and check on this man. Maybe they were afraid that if they stopped, they would become victims too from the thieves, from the gang, and be robbed themselves. Unfortunately, we are much more like these religious figures than we want to admit. We're all prone to making excuses, aren't we? When God calls us to do something, to show mercy, to go out of our way, to get engaged in a messy situation. Now, recently, I was, it was at night, it was kind of rainy and dark, and I was on a road, and I passed a lady with her hazards on, and I don't know what was going on. She was having car trouble of some kind. And I was driving past, and I had that little voice. If you ever had that little voice in your mind, like, well, you should probably stop. But then the other little voice was saying, well, it's, it's wet out. There's no good place to pull over. It's dangerous. It looks like she has a cell phone. I'm sure someone was coming momentarily, so I'm sure she's fine. And I drove on past and got home and thought, why didn't I stop? Why didn't I stop? And just the other day, we were at Starbucks, and there was a man sitting next to us. He looked like a homeless guy. Or, and I was trying to enjoy some, my drink and uh, our time at Starbucks, and he was talking to us and showing us his cross tattoo on his arm. And, you know, to be honest, I was a little bit annoyed. I was just wanted to be left alone. And uh, I was convicted. I am convicted of that. You know, I didn't spend, we could have engaged with him, spent a little more time with him, found out about his, his life. But it just wasn't convenient. I didn't feel like it. Anyone ever experienced this? Am I the only one? <laughs> I think we've all done, felt like we should be doing something. That God, the Holy Spirit is prompting us, and we don't do it. Thankfully, there is forgiveness when we fall short. Uh, but this is the, the point, that there is a cost. And sometimes we're not willing to pay the price. Let's take a few minutes to look at the cost of mercy for the Samaritan. So in contrast to the religious leaders, the Samaritan, who to the lawyer would have been, uh, you know, the lowest person in this story, that the Samaritan understands the cost, and he's willing to pay the price to help a person in need. In verse 33, it's telling, because it says that the Samaritan, he journeyed. When he saw this man, he had compassion. Now, you can have compassion on someone and not stop, right? You say, oh, I feel bad for that person, and not stop. So that's the point, that... The Samaritan had compassion, but he was willing to stop. That's an important point. So first cost was his safety. What if the robbers were waiting around the corner to jump out as he helped this man? He put his own life at risk. But putting aside his fear, he stopped making himself vulnerable putting himself in a vulnerable position, just like me stopping to help that lady. You know, there was a safety concern. 
but the Samaritan put that aside. Mercy is not always safe. It puts us in situations that might have some risk, might be taking a chance. But if God is leading us there, then he's going to protect us. Mercy is not always safe. It comes at the cost of our security. Well, second, he had to walk out of his comfort zone. So that's the second cost is his, he had to go out of his comfort zone. In contrast to the religious leaders who made sure they stayed in their comfort zone by walking on the other side, the good Samaritan uh, had to, in order to help this man, had to expose himself to unpleasant sights, sounds and smells, open wounds, uh, bruised skin, blood, the agonizing cries and moans of a man in pain, the smell of sweat and dirt caked on bloody skin out of his comfort zone. Despite all this, the Samaritan bound up his wounds. He used oil to relieve the pain. He used wine that would be important in sterilizing the wounds to prevent infection. The Samaritan looked past the unpleasantness to the need. He looked past the unpleasantness to the need. And then it says that he set him on his own animal. So instead of being able to ride in comfort, he was walking. And the man was riding on the donkey or whatever beast of burden it was. The cost of mercy means stepping out of our comfort zone to help someone in need. Third, he gave his time, the cost of time. An interruption to his plans, his trip would be delayed, his friends, his family would have to wait. He would put everything on hold to help someone in need. Mercy costs us precious hours out of our schedule. Now on your website, there's a picture of men rebuilding some steps. Were any of you guys involved in that? I don't know. It said something about Grace Partners with Bob Barker to meet a need. Who, who's Bob Barker? What's the story of that? They have a ministry, some company. They have a ministry uh, team that reaches out to people associated with their company. They have a house and steps we follow them. So okay. A couple of us went up and steps. All right. And did you do that in 30 seconds? Not quite. Steps serve, actually take quite a bit of time to get them right. So the point is, you've got to give time to help someone. Sometimes you've got to give up your day. You've got to give up hours in your day, uh, in your schedule. Sometimes, uh, Kurt was telling me this church has gone, and some of you have gone to, uh, to be a part of our ministry. And that takes time. You've got to give up a week of your time to go and to help. So time is sometimes... Uh, one of the things that we're least willing to give up. So he gave up his time. Fourth, there was a financial cost to the Samaritan. He took the injured man to an inn. It says in verse 35, he paid two denarii, which uh, commentators believe could have been several months worth of uh, care. Then he promised to come back. He says, I'll come back. I'll pay what's, whatever the outstanding bill is. I'll pay it. Mercy costs money. Everything in our ministry uh, is as a result of people who have donated or churches that have donated. So all our equipment, uh, all the warehouse, every, the warehouse in Rome, all the equipment in there, the warehouse in Dallas, everything that we have has been uh, as a result of people giving sacrificially 
uh, out of their funds, out of churches' budgets, so that our ministry can do mercy, can show mercy. Uh, even uh, all those on staff with uh, disaster response are missionaries. We raise our support, so we're supported by individuals and churches. So we know that mercy, showing mercy, being involved in disaster response, there's a financial cost. And finally, and maybe the hardest thing for uh, some of us, this act of mercy came at a cost to his pride. As you may know, the Samaritans and the Jews, they hated each other. And so there is a sense where you have to give up uh, your preconceived notions about people. Give up your pride. And Jesus intentionally used the Samaritan as the hero of the story to kind of rub it in, to give a little jab. And I'm sure those listening were uncomfortable with that because they did not like, the Jews did not like the Samaritans. He does this to show that mercy sometimes means crossing racial lines and barriers, social barriers to meet someone in need. Those of you who have been on disaster response trips, uh, sometimes you're working with people of different races, different upbringings. But that can be a beautiful thing as you cross those lines. The priest and the Levite were too holy to help. Their pride was a roadblock for mercy. Also on your website, I was uh, doing some research before the sermon here, so... Um, so that's, I found out some information about you guys. Um, on your website it says, without Jesus, it's part, it's a part of your vision. And maybe you haven't read your vision in a while, but this was something I thought was really good. It says, without Jesus, there is no real mission, only self-serving work. No real mission, only self-serving work. So it's only through Christ that when we serve, we can make a difference. Because Jesus is our motivation for what we do. And any other motivation is prideful. It's to make ourselves feel better or look better. And so I like that. That's doing away with pride, self-service, and just serving Jesus. So Jesus is showing us in this parable two lessons. First, we are uh, to generously give mercy, like the Samaritan did. Second is that mercy always comes at a cost. There's a price to be paid. Who would know better the cost of mercy than Jesus himself? So we're going to take a moment and just look at the, the fact that Jesus acts as our good Samaritan. For in our sin, we are like that man. We are half dead. We are actually all dead in our sin. And Jesus stops and he picks us up and he helps us and he heals us and he pays for our sin. Ephesians 2, 4, and 6. This is a powerful, beautiful message. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loves us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, when we were half dead on the road like that man, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So what price did Jesus have to pay for us to show us mercy? And let's look at these same costs that we consider for the Samaritan. First, Jesus gave up the safety of his heavenly home to subject himself to abuse, torture, and even death. 
being born in the likeness of man and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. He gave up safety. He left his comfort zone. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. In so doing, he left the purity and beauty of heaven to subject himself to unsanitary filth, offensive smells, unpleasant sights, and the nastiness of the sin of this world. Jesus did that. He left his comfort zone to dwell among us. Jesus gave up his time. He stepped out of eternity, entered time and space for us. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. Jesus subjected himself to mortality, to a human life where he would be born and where he would die. Fourth, there was a financial cost to Jesus. Did you ever think about that? He gave up all the riches of heaven where the streets are paved with gold. He was born into an impoverished family, placed in an animal feed box in a stable. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake, for our sake, he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. There was a financial cost for Jesus. And finally, even though Sinful pride did not exist in the heart of Jesus. The, the Bible says that though he was in form of God, he did not count equality with God something to be held onto, to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant. Showing sinners like us mercy came at a great cost to Jesus. There's an old Steve Green song, Broken and Spilled Out, that captures the cost that Jesus paid. And though you were perfect and holy, you gave up yourself willingly. You spared no expense for my pardon. You were used up and wasted for me. The cost to Jesus was grace. The price that he paid for sinners like me and like you it was the costliest display of mercy in all of history. Think about the fact that you are, that we are all those sinners, half dead on the road. And maybe you've never considered that, the fact that Jesus would come, that he's the one that brings you healing and wholeness. That you don't have to do anything, you're laying there. All you have to do is look up and receive his mercy, his grace. And I hope if you've never done that, that this morning you will think about the great cost that Jesus paid for you so that you could be saved, so that you could be healed, so that you could be given new life. It's a simple act of surrender, allowing Jesus to come and to help you and to forgive you and to raise you up. And if you're Interested in more about that? One of the elders of this church, I'd be happy to talk to you about that. Uh, find a Christian and find out what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Jesus ends by asking a concluding question to the lawyer. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the, to the man who fell among the robbers? The question becomes personal now. It's not about some abstract neighbor out there. It's about our hearts. 
regardless of who the neighbor is, am I a merciful neighbor? Am I willing to stop and help? Which brings us to our final consider consideration this morning. That is the cost of mercy for us personally. The answer to who proved to be a neighbor is rightly admitted by, uh, the, by the lawyer in verse 37. He said, it was the one who showed him mercy. The one who showed him mercy. Jesus then utters a profound and convicting statement. Go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. And in 1 John 3, If anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. And so we see in this passage that if we say that we are followers of Jesus Christ, there better be some action, some deed involved in that. There better be some willingness to sacrifice and to show mercy to others who are in need and not to close our hearts. Our Christian faith is validated through acts of mercy. Now we know in good Reformed tradition that we are saved by God's grace. Jesus has to come to us in our deadness. As we're on the side of the road, we have no power to go to him. So this is not about the fact that we can save ourselves through our good works. But when we show mercy in the name of Christ, we are showing evidence that Christ lives in us. So what does showing mercy look like for you? Now, maybe you're in school, you're school age, and you have a friend or someone in your neighborhood, and, and the other kids pick on him, make fun of them. And you have a choice. You can join in and make fun with the others, or you can stick up for the person. You can befriend that person who other people might pick on. The cost for doing that might be your friendships with other people, with the cool kids. They might reject you and say, why are you friends with that kid? And so there's a cost for showing mercy to someone who is being bullied. It may mean helping a coworker uh, who's struggling or a neighbor, someone needs help um, with something that they're doing. Cost is you might have to give up your time. You might have to work longer in the day because you've helped your coworker. Maybe for you showing mercy is helping a homeless person. This is always a hard thing, isn't it? As you're driving by someone who uh, is asking for money, you know, what do you do? That's a struggle. And so you really need to ask the Holy Spirit uh, to make sure your heart isn't hard because that's easy to do. Our hearts get hardened towards people. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will say, that person needs something. Maybe instead of giving them money, or you can give them money, but maybe talk to them, engage with them, ask them something about themselves. Uh, like, I, like maybe we should have done with the man in Starbucks. Recently, 
I was doing a training event. I met a man who really understood this idea of the cost of mercy. He uh, was not a believer, and he went into a church, a PCA church in Columbia. And when he went into this church, the pastor was preaching on Matthew chapter 8, where it talks about Jesus had no place to lay his head. And for some reason, this passage really resonated with this man. And that day, he gave his heart to Christ. And he was so convicted that the next day, he went and he lived in his car and he moved in and he worked with the homeless people for the next two weeks. He was around them and, and, and living among them. And he decided to buy a house. And so he bought a house. And he had started, these people that he met started inviting them into his house. And he slept on the couch and they slept in the bedrooms. And it's an amazing thing. Out of this, a whole ministry for the homeless grew in Columbia, South Carolina. And I thought, what, a, what an amazing testimony of someone who was willing to pay a price. And here he was, a baby Christian, understanding uh, that he gave it all up. He went and lived there. He uh, gave of his own resources to buy a house. You know, God might not be calling us uh, to do something like that, that extreme, but he's calling us all to do something. What's your calling? What's your passion? Don't look the other way when God gives you opportunities to share mercy. He will give you unique ways, if you're open to it, he'll give you unique ways to show and share mercy. And we might not start this whole entire ministry, but sometimes it's about making a difference in one person's life. Leon Morris, in his commentary on this text, says the Samaritan is a most attractive picture of a man who did more than the minimum. He did more than the minimum. He saw a man in need and did all he could. He did all he could. Now, how many of you actually live in Fuquay, Verena? All right, there's some of you. Now, you, you're probably aware of this, but Fuquay, Verena is one of the few towns uh, in the country that has a dash as an official part of its name. There's very few hyphenated uh, towns. So you guys are unique in that. Fuquay, dash, Verena. And in 2015, uh, the town came up with a new slogan. I found this on their website, again, in my research. Does anyone know what the slogan was? Dash more. Oh, okay, it was effective. It worked. So a dash more, and on the website it said a dash more personality, opportunity, ambition, creativity, fun. And this was a creative way to promote this unique town, and it's something that stuck, because you guys remember it. A dash more. But Jesus is calling us to go beyond just a dash more. Many dashes more he wants us to do when it comes to mercy. So don't do just a dash more. You could do that in Fuquay, Verena. But when it comes to mercy, not the bare minimum, but to do all that we can when it comes to mercy. The Good Samaritan teaches us to be generous, to go out on a limb, <clears throat> to take a risk, to live a life that freely shows mercy no matter what the cost. The Samaritan showed mercy. It cost him a lot. Jesus showed mercy. It cost him everything. If we call ourselves Christian, we must listen to the words of Jesus. Go and do likewise. 
show mercy, no matter the cost. And when you show mercy in the name of Jesus, you will find it is worth the cost. First, the people that you serve will be blessed. And our prayer is that through your act of mercy, people will come into the kingdom of God, that that will be the bridge, that you will be Jesus in their lives, introducing them to their Savior. Next, you will be blessed. Anyone who's extended mercy or been on a, a mission trip know that you are blessed many times, sometimes more than the people that you're serving. Uh, they were, you were sharing even this morning about how blessed you were that the homeowners that you were working for would prepare this big pot of gumbo or what was the other thing you were saying that you liked so much? The, the crab rolls that this man prepared uh, for the workers. And so you find that you're blessed as you serve. And most importantly, when we show mercy, when we don't count the cost, the love of Jesus will be shared with people who need it most. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your words, for this parable that challenged us to the core, where we thank you for the mercy that you showed us as we were dead on the side of the road. You lifted us up. You gave us life. You healed us. You paid the price that we couldn't pay for our salvation. So we give you thanks first and foremost for that. And Father, because of that mercy, you are calling us to extend that mercy, to love our neighbors as ourselves, to extend that mercy to those in need. So I pray for our ministry, uh, for many other ministries who are mercy-based ministries. Pray that you would allow us all to be mercy ministers. Lord, I pray for opportunities even this week in our communities, with our neighbors, with our coworkers and friends to show mercy. And Lord, when your Holy Spirit shows us an opportunity, may we be faithful to pay the price to, to, to no matter what the cost, to reach out in mercy. Lord, give us that boldness, give that, that willingness to sacrifice so that we can share your love with those who need it most. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.